0: The Garth Brooks microphone, Britney Spears mic that we usually use is broke, so I'm not used to this, so hopefully it's not too awkward to watch or listen to me. Well, if you were here last Sunday, um, you might recall that the, uh, the word that Pastor Bob gave us as a church for the year 2020 is Courage. And what I'm about to share with you guys today is my attempt at being uh, courageous. Uh, today we are beginning a three-week sermon series on a topic that affects every single one of us in one way or another. It's a topic that is often misunderstood or completely ignored by the church, but it one it is one that must be addressed. And so I'm excited to announce our new sermon series titled The Mind of Christ. And I want you guys to know up front that this will be a unique sermon series, okay? Um, Over the next three weeks, we're not going to spend 30 minutes diving into one specific passage of Scripture. Um, Of course, we're going to examine God's Word, but you're going to hear much more vulnerable storytelling than perhaps what you're used to hearing from the pulpit. Um, Zach Miller, a good friend of mine that many of you know, Um, we're going to be pouring our hearts out to you guys over the next three weeks and sharing many of the things that we have learned and experienced as we have both struggled deeply with the inner worlds of our mind. And um, our desire is to help you guys better love God with all of your mind. So maybe you're asking, why are we doing a sermon series on the mind? Well, I'm so glad that you asked. Go ahead and open up to Mark chapter 12. We're going to dive into this, and and I will tell you why. It should be page 923 if you're using a pew Bible. Mark 12, starting in verse uh, 28. It's titled, The Greatest Commandment. It says, one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, Of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. So Jesus says that the greatest commandment is to love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Now, it's often the heart that gets the most focus, right? And certainly for good reason. Perhaps you've heard people say that they asked Jesus into their heart or that they had a change of heart at one point or another in their life. But what about our mind? Why is the mind so often misunderstood or just completely overlooked, especially within the Christian world And the original word used here for mind means probably exactly what you think it means, our thoughts, our thinking. So we are to love the Lord with our thoughts, love him with the way that we think. Perhaps some of you are familiar with Paul's words in the book of Philippians when he says that we are to think about things that are true, lovely, pure, excellent, and praiseworthy. And if that's true, which it is, Why is such a small percentage of the thoughts that fill our mind every day, things that are true, pure, lovely, admirable, and praiseworthy? Why such a small part? Loving God with all of our mind is the greatest commandment, and so from a biblical standpoint, that is why we're doing this sermon series. Now, I'm going to tell you why we're doing this series from a personal standpoint, I've had so many conversations with people in this church who battle their thought life. I've met with people who barely have had the motivation to get out of bed because of the despair and the depression that crippled them. I've had people tell me that they've been suicidal at different times in their life because of the anxiety and the depression that crippled them. I've had phone conversations with people who were wrestling with their thoughts, and the only word they could use to describe how they felt and what they were going through was paralyzed. Paralyzed. I've had people tell me their daily battles with their thoughts that centered around fear of getting sick, fear of dying, fear of losing a spouse, fear of losing a child or a loved one. Some people struggle more with thoughts from the past that are rooted in shame. So those thoughts sound something like this. How dare you call yourself a Christian after the things that you've done? You're too big of a sinner to ever be used by God. You're not beautiful. You're worthless. You're not a good leader. You're never going to get that job. Fill in the blank. Others of us are more prone to think about the future. Anxiety. What if I don't get into that school? What if I can never pay off this debt? What if I never get married? What if I'm never able to have kids? What if he walks out on me? What if she cheats on me and leaves? What if, what if, what if? And guys, many of the individuals that I'm talking about are people of influence in this church. People of influence in this city, in their schools, and in their places of work. And if they're struggling like I have so deeply, I'm going to guess that a lot of others are struggling as well, sitting in these pews in this area. So if you currently are or have ever struggled with irrational paralyzing or obsessive thoughts that have filled you with worry anxiety or depression then this sermon series is for you okay i know i'm coming in hot today if you are married to someone who struggles in this area then this sermon series is for you okay if you have a child or a close friend who battles this area this is for you okay And I will say up front that we're not going to address mental health from a professional clinical standpoint. Sorry, if that's what you were hoping. I am not a medical doctor. I'm certainly not a psychiatrist. Um, Zach and I are mostly going to be just sharing our story with you guys and what we've learned about what it means to love God with our thoughts, to love him with our mind. And I will admit that I don't understand why some people – just really struggle in this area and others don't. I wish I did, but I don't. There are certainly some people who have chemical imbalances in their brain that need professional help. There's no doubt, no question about that. Nobody can argue that. Um, some of us have an overemphasis on ourselves, and that's exactly what anxiety does. Fills us with so much fear, makes us become so self-focused that we're unable to even care for another person because we're immersed in our own world. Satan loves when he gets us there. Some of us want to control our lives so much that our thoughts um, are just affected deeply by the way that we view um, you know, our spouse and our children and our loved ones. Some of us, it's a lack of faith, lack of understanding of our true identity, or perhaps we let our circumstances just wreck us in ways that they should not have the power to do. So people are kind of all over the map, okay, all over the spectrum on this issue. So I want to acknowledge that up front. And one of our biggest hopes for this series is that we can all grow in our willingness and our ability to extend grace and compassion to those who are suffering in ways that maybe you can't relate to and ways that you just perhaps don't even understand. Most people I've found as I'm going to get into my story in a minute, just don't know how to respond to mental battles. We're not equipped. The church has just not talked about it much. Um, And it's just such a complex issue. So we hope that by sharing our stories and bringing some clarity to this topic that we can all just learn to have, um, you know, do a better job of just extending compassion to our brothers and sisters in Christ. All right, so... This is me being courageous, so I'm going to share my story with you guys. Um, some of you know what I've been through this past year, um, but the vast majority of you don't, and so I want to fill you guys in. Um, if you know me at all, you know there's a good chance that, um, you know, I've always struggled with my mind. The mind has always been my battlefield. I've always wrestled with um, just bizarre disturbing, paralyzing thoughts ever since I was a young kid. It started when I was six years old, um, just having extremely disturbing images that no six-year-old should ever think. And, you know, talking to my parents, they had no idea what to respond (laughs) or what to say. Um, In middle school, I had a two-week stint where I believed a thought that told me that I was going to hell, and God himself couldn't even save me. I refer to that time in my life as just two weeks of living hell. I couldn't get off my couch. I was so depressed. I've had seasons where I became so obsessed over my circumstances that it basically paralyzed me. Life felt meaningless, and joy was just sucked out of me completely. And last March, it all came to a head. Thursday, March 28th, 2019 to be exact. It's the day that I almost lost my mind. Um, It was a normal day for me. I got here at the church about 8 or 8.30 that morning to work in my office, and I had this nagging thought that was telling me that I had done something horrible about 10 years ago that really hurt some people, and this thought is a lie, So just so you know. Um, And so I tried to kind of argue against this thought and fight it, and kind of wrestle with it and prove it wrong. And it just kept getting louder and louder and more dominating in my head. It caused severe anxiety. This thought got so twisted that it actually tried to convince me that I had done something illegal. And I was just crippled that day. Out of about an eight hour work day, i got about 30 minutes worth of work done. I remember coming up here, setting in some pews over here back there just crying, trying to rebuke Satan, because I had no idea what was going on. Um, It became so powerful and convincing that I actually remember driving home north on 22nd Street, right by the gas station on Frederick, and I actually considered picking up my phone and calling the cops and turning myself in for something that I didn't even do. And I knew that I needed help in that moment, that this was not normal. I needed serious help. If things didn't change, I knew that I would lose my job. And I knew I would lose my wife and my kids, too, because I wouldn't be able to accomplish anything. And I wouldn't be able to be present with anyone in a conversation because of the demons that I was fighting in my own head. And thankfully, I had an appointment already scheduled Early that next morning, um, with a Christian counselor that I'd been meeting with, that many of you guys know. And I walked into his office and I just lost it. I just completely broke down and just (laughs) cried for what felt like an eternity. And he looked at me and said, Justin, you have to call your doctor today. That is your assignment. And, church, those were the most freeing words that I have ever heard in my life. They're the most freeing words. I've ever heard. Throughout my life, I had shared my mental battles with Christians, and the response that I heard 99.9% of the time was, you don't need professional help, you just need to have more faith. Long story short, I was diagnosed with OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder, and now my whole life makes sense. Everything makes sense. I've learned that it starts, that disorder starts a lot of times at age five and six for people, I've learned that my two-week stint of fear that I was going to hell is actually a form of OCD called scrupulosity that Martin Luther, the great reformist, actually suffered from. It's fear centered around religion. Um, I've learned that thinking that you did horrible things is a very common trait in sufferers of OCD. My whole life makes sense now. Thank God. And you might be thinking, well, OCD isn't that bad, is it? Isn't it like just kind of people who are anal about keeping their desk clean, keeping it organized? Man, I wish, right? I have all those traits. I wash my hands 30 times a day. I do all that stuff, but that doesn't affect the quality of my life. The best way I've heard OCD described is this. It's like having a monster living inside of your head. Best best description I've ever came across. 100% true. So I started taking medication this last April. I have no shame in that. I can finally say my mind is stable for perhaps the first time in 36 years, thank God. That's only a part of my journey. I've wrapped up some counseling sessions focused on just my own mental health and, you know, just better loving God with my mind. I've taken some time to journal through a lot of the New Testament, uh, focusing specifically on what Christ has to say about the mind and our thoughts. Um, I've read numerous articles and books on the mind this past year from pastoral perspectives, from perspectives from uh, neuroscience and counseling. And probably most importantly, I've invited some close friends in this church into this battle with me. Um, Pastor Bob Miller and his son Zach and Wyatt Jones in particular have been just a tremendous source of encouragement to me. Um, Just being there for me when I was just going off the deep end and I needed to make a phone call to someone. Um, They've showed me compassion when I felt lost and hopeless. Um, I'll never forget. When I met with my counselor and lost it, I came straight to church that day, knocked on Bob's door, said, dude, can I talk? Because I knew he had to to know what was going on with me as his right-hand man, kind of. And I just lost it, again, right in front of Bob, cried for probably 10 more minutes. And I don't remember everything he said to me in that meeting, but I do remember he said, hey, man, pull your chair up, and you're gonna work next to me the rest of this day. Because he didn't want me to be alone. I will never forget that act of kindness. And I also happen to be married to a woman who has loved me through hell and back. I've put Sarah through so much this past year, sharing things with her that no wife should ever have to hear. She's weeping right now, and I'm a mess. All she did was love me. She didn't judge me one time through all of this. So I just thank you so much. And I've learned that part of my own recovery is helping set other people free. So that's why I'm doing this sermon series. And guys, as I look back on the past 36 years of my life, I'm so thankful for people that God has brought in my path, but I would be lying if I didn't say that in some ways the church kind of um, failed me as a young man that was suffering as well. And here's what I mean. I've had Christians in my darkest moments look at me and say, dude, if these thoughts are from God, I don't want anything to do with God. That's not what I needed to hear. I've been told if I just prayed more and was more obedient, then, then the thoughts would go away. It's not how it works. I could prove to you scientifically that's false. If you want to talk to me later, I've been told just stop thinking those thoughts. It doesn't work. I could prove to you why that doesn't work. (laughs) I found that most people just don't know how to deal with this issue because it's so complex. It's a tough area to navigate, and so we hope that by bringing this topic of our mind, our thoughts, the way that we think to the forefront it will allow some of you to not only just learn, of course, but to find some healing and freedom in your own journey. And maybe perhaps you'll be able to share some things that you've been dealing with for years that we're too afraid to bring out, you know, to the open. So, And one of the biggest things I want to communicate, to is for you to know that you're not alone. I know with 100% confidence there are many people sitting in this church right now who are crippled with anxiety, depression, Thoughts that are just wreck your life and just steal your joy. There's no doubt in my mind. I had a person come to me before church today and was weeping because she heard what I was talking about today. Because it resonated so deeply in her. You're not alone. I know, you know, the thoughts can be all over the map, man, that we struggle with. Thoughts from shame, from our past Fear of the future. Maybe you're someone that replays conversations over and over and over in your head to the point to where it literally just hijacks your life and it affects your ability to be present in the moment. There's a lot of my life, guys, I've discovered that I don't remember because I wasn't present. I was reliving the past or I was worried about the future. So there's years of my life that it's just a blank space. I don't want to live that way anymore. And I don't want you guys to live that way either. So, I want you to know you're not alone. And sometimes the biggest comfort we can take is just knowing that someone else is fighting a battle with us. Okay, let's dive into scripture now. Open up to Romans 12 1 through 2. Uh, yeah, verses 1 through 2. It should be page 1034. All right, Romans 12, verses 1 through 2, verses 1 and 2, sorry. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. All right, so the Apostle Paul wrote the book of Romans to Christians living in Rome during his day. He says that we are to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And for him to say that, he's also implying that our minds are not as they should be, right? Our minds are broken, quite literally broken. Everything has been broken because of the fall of man. Our bodies are broken. Our bodies don't get better as, they, as we get older. Can I get an Amen. Right, once you hit 40, 50, 60, you can't dance or play basketball like you did when you were 18. Right, so whew, our bodies do not get better. It's the same with our minds, our minds are, have been fractured, relationships are fractured, everything has been tainted because of the fall of man, our sin, including our minds. So, quite literally, God's original design for the wiring of our brains has been tainted because of sin. Our minds don't naturally treasure him above everything else. They don't naturally submit to his lordship. But there's a verse in the New Testament that has profound implications in this area of our lives. So open up. It's just a few pages over. First Corinthians 2. I think it might be five or six pages over. Just 1 Corinthians 2, um, verse 16 says for who has known the mind of the lord so as to instruct him but we have the mind of christ we have the mind of christ now this is paul writing again to christians in the city of corinth and he's telling the believers there and essentially us that we have the mind of christ guys that is fascinating if you have staked your life to christ He has given you a new heart and a new mind, okay? You are a new creation. Isaiah says, the prophet Isaiah in the Old Testament says, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. Look, God says, I am doing a new thing. Behold, I am making all things new. That's the business that he is in, making all things new. You're not the person that you used to be 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago. It's possible to be a Christian and not live into your true identity. It happens all the time, unfortunately. I meet Christians all the time who just walk around beat up and wounded because of the stuff going on in your head. I'm like, dude, that's not you. You are a conqueror. You are loved. You are victorious. You have the mind of Christ. But we have a role to play in living it out. And that's where we get stuck. He has given us a new heart and a new mind, but we have to discover how to live out the work that Christ has already done. We have to consider what hinders us, what propels us to live out the mind of Christ in our lives. You see, as believers, we experience sanctification every day, and that is just a fancy word for being changed, being transformed, for being made holy And in order for the Holy Spirit to sanctify, to renew, to transform our minds, we have to be willing to let that happen. We have a responsibility to play in this area. We are not passive participants in the renewal of our minds. And the passage we just looked at in Romans shows that our minds aren't a finished product. If they were, they wouldn't need to be renewed. Our minds are not a finished product. So what does this renewing of the mind look like? What does it look like? It sounds good, but what does it look like? I'm going to start off by telling you what it's not. Living with a renewed mind does not mean that you have to think about Jesus 24 hours a day. You can breathe. That's not possible, okay? That is not possible. And guys, there's a million angles I could kind of take with this, but... Based on my life experience, everything I've studied in scripture, all the counseling I've been through, I'm going to sum it up like this. The mind of Christ is about paying attention to how Jesus is present in all things. The mind of Christ is about paying attention to how Jesus is present in all things. And our awareness of his presence in the everyday moment of our lives will lead us to gratitude and worship. And paying attention is something that a lot of us aren't that good at, right? Especially as men, if we're honest, right? Paying attention means being present in the little moments that we don't think matter, right? Rather than reliving in the past or worrying about the future, be present to who's in front of you. Be present to what you're doing, what you're working on. And I would argue that our lack of paying attention is what hinders us the most from living out the mind of Christ. So let's talk about what this looks like practically. So I'm going to start with the women here. How can we, well, not me, how can you have the mind of Christ as a wife? You do it through paying attention. Pay attention to what God is speaking to you about your husband. So when you get a nudge or a thought that says, hey, man, or hey, woman, I don't know. (laughs) Hey, send your husband a really nice text message. Encourage him. Do something that's going to make him feel cared for. That is literally God putting the thought in your head. That's what that is. Respond. Do it. Pay attention and do it. Now, husbands, when your wife is talking to you, pay attention to what she's saying. That might be a start for most of us. For some of us, just listen to what she's actually saying, right? But then let's go deeper. Listen to how she's communicating. Can you hear the shame and the insecurity in the tone of her voice, in her body language, in her lack of eye contact? Pay attention to those things and ask God, what do you, man, what do I say? What does she need to hear in this moment? That's what the mind of Christ would do in that moment. And this will not come easy at first, okay? Especially for men, paying attention. But slowly by slowly, daily by daily, we're being renewed, right? We're being transformed. God will stretch us and mature us and grow us in this. How about this? When your friend hurts you deeply, pay attention to how you respond. Step back and wrestle with what is going on in here and in here. Don't just get mad. Send a mean text. Write write them an evil letter or email or whatever. Do people write letters much anymore? Pay attention to what is going on. Ask God, hey, is there some junk that I need to own? Why, why am I so hostile? Why am I responding this way? Invite him in to kind of that, you know, exploring. Okay, I told you guys this is going to be a unique sermon series. So before we wrap up, I kind of want to just open the floor and hear from a few of you. What is stirring in your heart and mind as you've heard me talk? the past 20, 25 minutes, how are you connecting with this topic, what are you maybe excited to learn or experience, what's stirring in your heart right now as you've heard me talk about the mind of Christ for the past 20, 25 minutes, anything, there's not really a wrong answer, so, don't leave me hanging guys, I've laid it out there today, come on, yes Boston. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, he's yeah, he's saying he's glad to hear that. You know, the mind the mind is equally as important as the heart in, in loving God. That's why that's why it's in scripture. That's good, thank you. Who else? Oh, Rob, yes. What's that? Okay. Thank you. Appreciate that. Yes. Okay, welcome. Wow. Coming in hot. Sorry. Wow, welcome. That's cool. She's struggling with anxiety and God told her to come here today. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. That's going to be hard to top. Yes. Awesome, man. Thank you for sharing that. Good, good. Oh, that's encouraging. Thank you for sharing all that, guys. So next week, we're going to continue this sermon series on the mind of Christ. And if you don't remember anything else that I shared today, just remember this, guys. You have the mind of Christ. It's yours. If you've staked your life to him, you have the mind of Christ. Scripture states it clearly. But you have a role to play in living it out. Okay? Okay? You have a responsibility to play. Pay attention to how Jesus is present in all things so that you can better glorify him. And I hope for some of you guys this will be kind of be the beginning, maybe, of a journey of some freedom and healing in this area of your life. So, in closing, I am super excited to present an opportunity uh, to all of you guys this morning. If you looked at the back of your bulletin, if you haven't, go ahead and Get that baby out. Turn it on the back there. You notice that we're going to be offering a Mind of Christ class after this short three-week sermon series. We're going to be offering a four-week class on Wednesday nights immediately following this sermon series. Um, It'll be from 7.30 to 9 o'clock in the church basement starting on January 29th. Um, We've put together an incredible curriculum to help you guys in this area. And our very own Summer Ward is going to be doing a heavy bulk of the teaching summer, is a professional licensed counselor, about 10 years experience, a little over 10 years experience. She's an expert in the areas of anxiety and depression and trauma, okay? We've all been through trauma, some of us some horrific trauma. She's going to talk about what that literally does to our brain, okay? in ways that we can grow and mature. She's going to give us just therapeutic exercises and practices that we can incorporate into our lives to help us overcome anxiety and depression. Guys, it is going to be fantastic. She sent me her week one outline, and I was just floored, so pumped. So if you struggle with your thoughts, come to this class, okay? If you're married to someone that struggles with their thoughts, Come to this class. If you have a kid that struggles or a close friend, come, man, okay? I read 40, over 40 million Americans suffer from anxiety, okay? That's just anxiety. Put depression on top of that. Put trauma on top of that. We're going to try to hit all of it in a short four-week class. All we need you guys to do is just sign up in the back. This is a free class to anyone at Wellspring, okay? We just need to know um, how many notebooks, you know, uh, to order for, you know, of our curriculum. So please sign up on your way out. All right, thanks for listening, guys. Let's pray.